Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chair of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today, we're very pleased to have Dr. Chun-Hyuk David Kwan, who's the director of our minimally invasive liver surgery program. And David, you've been on here before on Butts and Guts in the past, so welcome back to Butts and Guts. Well, thanks for, for the invitation, and thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about liver cancer. But before we get there, for those who haven't heard your, uh, your back episode, please go back and listen to it. But tell us a little bit about your background and what led you specifically to this specialty about being involved in liver surgery? Well, I always found the liver to be a fascinating organ. Uh, it's the only organ in our body that regenerates. Uh, so I do a lot of living donors as well. Uh, so in living donors, let's say you take away 70% and in just uh, about a year or so, uh, the removed 70% just comes back and you know, just that's where you are, where you started. So I think that's a really fascinating aspect and another thing that I liked about the liver is that it is a very technically challenging uh, organ to deal with, and I always love to do surgery. So I think that's how I fell in love with this organ. Oh, fantastic, and we're so glad that you're here. And so on this episode, we're going to discuss a little bit about liver cancer. So let's go really high level to start up. What is the disease and how can it affect someone's liver? Well, the liver cancer uh, can be in two big uh, category, and uh, divided into two big category, one for primary liver cancer, and uh, the other one is secondary. The primary is something that the cancer originated from the liver, and that again can be divided into two, uh, which is hepatocellular carcinoma, which is a cancer that originated from a liver cell uh, within the liver, and you have the cholangiocarcinoma, which is a cancer that derived from a, a bile duct cell inside the liver. So you have basically two main uh, primary uh, cancers of the liver. So that's, uh, theoretically speaking, when you talk about liver cancer, these are the two cancers we talk about. However, what we find more often are those that had uh, a primary cancer somewhere else, such as like colorectal cancer, and you have liver metastases. And uh, a big part of uh, my practice and of the patients that I see that needs uh, liver resection uh, falls into this category. So I, I should have maybe even started a little higher level. And so there's a lot of people out there that listen to our podcast that they might not exactly know what the liver does. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about what the liver does and how could you remove 70% of it and it still functions? <laughs> well, you can actually remove up to 80%, but you can survive with just 20% of the liver function. So liver has a lot of uh, reserve uh, in the backup. Uh, because it is at the centerpiece of the whole metabolism of your body. So whatever food you eat, it first goes into the liver. After it gets absorbed by the, by the intestine, it goes to the liver. And the first metabolic cycle goes in the liver. And the liver screens, okay, let's say this glucose is too much to go to the bloodstream directly. So let's digest it, let's skip in the liver, and then uh, pass it slowly to, you know, to your main system. So... Uh, we sometimes call it the factory of the body because it deals with the base of all metabolic function. Uh, it also uh, works with the immunology uh, in aspect that, um, let's say you have um, colitis, uh, then you probably have bacteria going into the system and the liver so like, you know, screens that and doesn't let the bacteria go towards the whole system. 
And the last part is and it produces a lot of coagulation factors that are essential for your blood clots to form. Uh, so we often see that patients with terminal um, cirrhosis with poor liver function, they tend to have a very you know, high tendency of bleeding because uh, they lack this liver function. So we're here talking a little bit about liver cancer. So how would somebody know if they had liver cancer? What symptoms would they have? Actually, liver cancer is something that appears, uh, that doesn't have a symptom initially uh, because uh, the liver itself does not have a lot of pain neurons around there. Therefore, if you come to the hospital because you have symptoms, they are usually in stage three or stage four, more advanced. When they're in stage one or two, usually most of the patients don't have symptoms. Uh, we just know that they have it because of a screening uh, through the ultrasound or CT. But nevertheless, some patients uh, do manifest some symptoms. And I would say the most frequent would be like right upper quadrant discomfort, uh, some anorexia, loss of appetite, not feeling that good. So, so it's uh, very general you know, symptoms that you can have whenever, let's say you have a gastritis or colitis. So uh, it's, uh, you know, sometimes they come to the hospital, they're thinking they have colitis, they go through the workup and they find the liver cancer and they end up getting surgery for that. So are there risk factors for liver cancer? Are there conditions that may directly result in liver cancer? How does that work? Yeah. You know, I said about hepatocellular cellular carcinoma and cholangiocarcinoma. In those two, the risk factors are very similar. The most frequent risk factors, I would say, is the alcohol. We all know that alcohol is, doesn't, you know, it's very heavy on the liver. Uh, and I would say the second in, in this day and age is obesity. And the obesity causes a disease called NASH, which is an abbreviation of non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So what happens if fat accumulates in your liver, the liver starts to get inflamed, it starts to have inflammation, and that in turn injures the liver cells around it, and that becomes a source of the cancer. And thirdly, uh, although nowadays it's a lot better because we have very good treatment for that, is the hepatitis C virus. Uh, the hepatitis C virus can be eradicated with just uh, uh, two months of medication with very little side effects. So anyone who has hepatitis C, please go and see your hepatologist or any GI doctors and get it treated because the earlier you get treated, uh, the more you're, you're able to prevent. And for cholangiocarcinoma, it has especially the PSC, primary sclerosing cholangitis, is one of the risk factors for cholangiocarcinoma. So truth or myth, liver cancer is most often diagnosed between the ages of 55 and 64. Truth or myth? Truth. But this is also a moving target. Uh, previously, it used to be in the, in the 50s was the, the, the peak. Now it's going a little bit more to, towards the 60s. Because let's say patients who got a hepatitis C treatment, you know, the cancer appears later because the inflammation that was caused by the, by the virus is delayed and therefore the cancer appears later. So you mentioned before about some of the symptoms that can occur, but eventually how is liver cancer diagnosed? So usually uh, I would say the majority of the cases get diagnosed with ultrasound or CT. And uh, majority of the majority of the cases before we think about doing any kind of treatment, we also do an MRI specifically uh, designed for the liver uh, because the MRI tends to be a little bit more specific. We understand a little bit better of the tumor character, whether it's true or cancer or it's a benign lesion that looks like a cancer and so on. Uh, other than those image studies, the alpha fetoprotein is known to be a very relatively good uh, surrogate marker for hepatocellular carcinoma. 
And the CA19-9, which is um, also a tumor marker, is usually used to detect cholangiocarcinoma. What treatment options are available for someone who has been diagnosed with liver cancer? Obviously, we're here to talk a little bit about surgery, so I'm guessing that's, that's one of them, but can you walk me through that? Yeah, so actually liver cancer is uh, one of the diseases that a multidisciplinary approach is essential because even though I'm a surgeon, I love doing surgery, uh, surgery cannot be everything. There are a lot of uh, liver tumors that actually do a lot better in treatments other than surgical treatment. And so from just looking at surgery, we have liver resection uh, that can be also divided into minimal invasive like laparoscopic robotic or open liver resection. And we also have the liver transplant as the surgical option. Uh, other than that, we have ablation, uh, which is you stick a needle in the tumor and you burn it. And you also have a transanterial embolization. Uh, and you, depending on what kind of uh, agent you use, it can be classified as uh, chemoembolization, where you, you put uh, chemotherapeutic agents and you have radioembolization, where you put uh, beads that contains radio, radioactive particles. Fourthly, you have external beam radiotherapy. Uh, and in the past, this SBRT uh, was really not used that much for liver cancers. But recently, the SBRT is used a lot more frequently because a lot of the technology behind the radiation has improved and can target the tumor a lot better than previously. And lastly, but not least, is comes the chemotherapy. So... Depending on uh, how many tumors you have, depending whether it's, uh, it's spread out throughout the liver, or it's in, localized in one place, depending on how big the tumor is, uh, you have all these different options that can be applied. And this uh, does essentially need a teamwork approach in order to have the best treatment option. So can you talk a little bit about if surgery is needed, uh, the minimally invasive approach to this, how does that all work? Uh, well, the minimally invasive approach is, you know, has been around for quite some time. Um, but we, the more we do, we understand that I would say around 40% of uh, all liver cancers are very, very good candidates of minimally invasive approach. Uh, traditionally, laparoscopic approach has been used a lot more widely. Recently, robotic approach is getting more traction. But it all depends on how comfortable the surgeon is. Sometimes laparoscopic is better, sometimes the robotic is better. There are cases that minimal invasive is not the best option, especially those who are very complicated surgeries. In those cases, even though I love doing laparoscopic surgery, uh, those are better be done open because of the complexity of the surgery. And, you know, end of the day, it's about treating the cancer, and it's not only about uh, the surgical approach that you do that is more important for the patient. So a lot of people out there want to say, I don't want liver cancer. So are there ways that they can do to lower their chances of getting liver cancer? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, as I said, if you look at the risk factors, you can, you know, extrapolate from there what, what could be prevented. So first, you know, you have alcohol, so don't drink too much, <laughs> I would say. If you really cannot live without alcohol, well, have one day of, of rest for your liver, uh, for, for the liver to, to regenerate you know, to catch up with uh, digesting your alcohol that you took the day before. The second risk factor was uh, NASH, you know, obesity. Uh, so, you know, wait, watch your weight. And if you're BMI above 30 or 35, you really have to actively work on trying to get below 30, uh, which is a lot healthier for the liver. And thirdly, uh, I haven't mentioned about hepatitis B, but hepatitis B has the vaccine option. 
So in case you did not get the vaccines, please get the hepatitis B vaccines. And hepatitis C is mostly is transmitted through uh, IV drug use. Uh, so just don't do drugs. Fantastic. And so I have had the wonderful opportunity of seeing firsthand and had the privilege of watching you operate. But are there any advancements on the horizon for the liver cancer diagnosis or treatment, especially here at the Cleveland Clinic? Well, you know, recently immunotherapy has been a big traction. Um, although we don't have enough evidence, but we do see every now and then patients that are really, really uh, you know, responsive to immunotherapy. Uh, so I think that should be something that you should always ask your oncologist whether you're a candidate for immunotherapy. We also have some uh, newer chemotherapeutic agents. Uh, there are targeted chemotherapy. Also, it's not the most effective, but it does help. So also ask your oncologist about that aspect. And uh, as I said, the external beam radiation has not been uh, a stronghold in the liver cancer traditionally, but I think uh, I see more and more cases where uh, let's say traditionally you cannot do surgery on, but uh, you know you can downstage the cases with uh, external beam radiation or chemoembolization or radioembolization, and the patients can reach to the point where they can get surgery. Looking at just the surgical uh, side, uh, a lot of uh, surgical techniques have improved. So nowadays, we uh, a lot of cases we do uh, what we call uh, liver venous uh, deprivation. So this is an interventional radiology technique in which you can hypertrophy, you, know, you can increase the size of your future liver remnant. For let's say you get a right hepatectomy, but your left lobe seems to be a little bit too small, then if you do uh, you know, this embolization procedure before, uh, it improves uh, the regeneration capacity of the remaining liver, and therefore the surgery can be done in a lot uh, safer uh, way. So now it's time for our quick hitters, where we get to know you a little bit better. So first of all, what's your favorite sport, either to play or to watch? Uh, to watch, um, I would say baseball and, and football would be what I watch. But recently, I haven't been watching a lot. I was uh, busy with my kids and the clinical work. Uh, to play, I, I just like biking a lot. So I think uh, Cleveland is great, uh, especially you know. During winter is not the best, but uh, spring, summer, and, and fall is a great place to bike. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite meal? Favorite meal? Uh, a good, well-done Korean dish. Any Korean dish is a good, my favorite meal. Fantastic. <laughs> what was your first car? My first car was almost not secondhand, almost like fourth-hand Teu uh, car. It is uh, the one my mom bought for me. Uh, in replacement for a motorcycle that I had been begging her to buy. And she said, no, I'll just buy you a car. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so you've been around in the world, but is there something still on your bucket list of a trip, that a place that you'd still like to go? Iceland is one of my bucket list. Uh, I also would like to go to Patagonia. If I have the chance, Antarctica would not be bad. Just went to Iceland last, uh, last summer, and it was a very wonderful place to visit. So uh, how about a final take-home message for our listeners about liver cancer or minimally invasive surgery as it pertains to this? So as I said, liver cancer, it's a, it's a team approach that you need. So it's very important that you raise questions about uh, having second opinion with some other disciplines uh, so that you are not stuck with just one option and you have the approach by, by a group of experts uh, that can treat you right. I see so many cases that they've been treated by one or two physicians when they had other surgical options or they had other radiological options, 
and those were not taken, and they come to me late, of course, I mean, some of them, I can't treat them, but if they would have come to me earlier, they would have had a lot better prognosis. So I know it's, uh, it's not easy to navigate around the medical field, but um, you know, if you are diagnosed with liver cancer, please be diligent in doing research and uh, trying to find teams that afford you a very good team approach for treatment. Well, that is fantastic advice. And so to learn more about liver cancer program here at the Cleveland Clinic, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash livercancer. That's clevelandclinic.org slash livercancer. You can also call us at 216-445-8389. That's 216-445-8389. David, thanks so much for joining us here on Butts and Guts. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts. 